Welcome to the Love, Sex and Intimacy podcast for women who want to experience intimate relationships and sex that are pleasurable and passionate, happy, thriving and deeply fulfilling. With my very special guest experts guiding lights and pioneers in their specialist areas, we'll be breaking down the myths, exploring the difficult stuff, the good stuff and seeing what's possible for love, sex and intimacy at this time of rapid change. In these candid and intimate conversations, I'll be bringing you the best of sex and relationship education, full of practical ways to support and inspire change in your intimate life. I'm your host, Sarah Rosebright. Whether you're curious about what's possible or you're already committed to exploring, I'm so happy you are here. Welcome to this episode with Jade Lotus and Jade specializes in the Taoist sexual arts, which she calls the art of the bedchamber. And she talks about why in this podcast. So if you're curious to learn about the Taoist sexual arts, this is for you. Personally, I love the Taoist sexual arts. I've studied and explored these deeply myself. I can continue to do so. So it was a real pleasure to have this conversation with Jade and I feel there will be more. And so in this conversation, we cover a lot of areas with no overview of this. Jade talks about why there's a big lack of understanding about sex and sexual energy and how this affects people. She shares the Taoist approach to sexuality and sexual energy and the power of sexual energy for healing. She shares what the arts of the bedchamber are, how our sexual energy can act as an amplifier how our emotions affect sex, what sexual reflexology is. We had a conversation about how to practice the Taoist arts safely. And did you know the vagina has a suck, suck, <laughs> a suck reflex that you can activate? So if you didn't know that, this is the episode to find out all about that. And also, we talked about the difference of um, healthy and unhealthy polarity teachings. There's a lot out there at the moment that is very toxic in the field of polarity teachings. And I'm going to be doing some more conversations around this because it's super important to know what to look out for um, and to be mindful of that. So enjoy this conversation. Welcome to today's episode with Jade Lotus. Lovely to see you. Welcome. Thank you for inviting me, Sarah. Lovely to see you too. Pleasure. So I'd love to dive in by asking um, if you could share some of what you do in the world and also how you got to this place, a little bit about your story. Sure. Okay. So I, um, I create courses about sex. And when I say about sex, what I'm talking about is I'm talking about sexuality, emotions, consciousness, everything that's attached there into it, you know, our relationship with ourselves, with our body, with our energy. And they're basically coming from like a Taoist perspective, but in such a way that someone who knew nothing about Taoism or even any of the theories or principles or anything about spirituality or even consciousness can understand what I'm talking about. And um, I also create a lot of content on social media about this. And um, the reason I talk about this topic, obviously it's a massive taboo that's not being spoken about properly. I mean, anyone can go online and find all kinds of like crazy depraved sexual videos, violence, rape, and so on, you know, which unfortunately a lot of people watch and actually think is educational and that's what they're supposed to be doing, you know, but when it actually comes down to just pragmatic, decent sex education, that's literally telling people what they're supposed to do, you know, or giving them choices of how they can do something without going off on some crazy tangent and involving violence and all kinds of things like this in it, we're really, really sadly lacking, you know? And our society is still kind of in this place where on the one hand, we're like, oh, you shouldn't talk about sex, it's dirty. On the other hand, you know, just not even needing to look on porn, like all kinds of exaggerated representations of sexuality that we can see on Netflix, Hollywood, and so on. And people are just kind of stuck in the middle and quite confused at the same time. We have like enormously high rates of sexual problems, which clearly are affecting people on an individual level. And also relationships for sure are suffering and breaking down, affecting children and so on. 
because of this, you know, but then when we look on an even deeper level into it, you know, and if we look at our Western cultural paradigm, which has told us that sexuality is at best something we should separate from ourselves, put in a little box and save for special occasions, like a bottle of whiskey or something like that, you know, when in reality, when you look at the Taoist model or the tantric model, we actually see that sexuality sexual energy or sexuality is absolutely central to who we are and it's obvious we're made from people having sex you know we're made out of an orgasm this is what gives us life is what births us and yet we're kind of uh, buying into this idea that the very thing that created us is somehow sinful or bad or inherently harmful which almost then becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy because I think there's a huge um a uh, parallel between lack of sex education, uh, sex crimes, sex offending, and general like problems with relationships and personal problems with mental health, and so on as well. And when we take like such a central part of ourselves, and I mean, interestingly enough, the Taoists talk about sort of sexuality and emotions as sort of existing together on a kind of a spiral or a helix, you know, and. Uh, I definitely agree that the two are inseparable and any attempt to separate them just leads to incredibly like unfulfilling se sex and what they call sex addiction, you know? Yet these are the two things that we're taught in our society. You know, you feel angry, repress it. You're afraid, repress it. You're horny, repress it. So people aren't developing, you know, a healthy relationship. Well, sure, everybody's happy to go, oh, I'm so happy. But, you know, when it comes to I'm afraid, I'm angry, you know, I want this, you know, I have this sexual desire and so on. There's a real distortion about our um, our relationship with these kinds of energies, you know. And when you look at the world around us and what a big mess we're in, you know, on an individual level, on a collective level, you know, um, I think that it comes down to like most of it, like bad relationships with ourselves. Because when we have a good relationship with ourselves, we're actually be out there shining a light into the world, you know? And when people are going through life, feeling like their sexual feelings are shameful, then going off, putting on Pornhub and masturbating to a nurse, getting gang raped by sort of 12 people. And this is the kind of experience with sexuality or people think, you know, one night stand, you know, there's such a lack of actually like loving connection both with oneself and with other people but of course if we don't have a loving connection with ourselves how are we going to have that same loving connection with other people and um i mean i was lucky enough to go off and do the instructor training with the master chia mantak chia the grandmaster mantak chia who you also know i'm sure you know and uh you know, he had this vision of seeing the way that, you know, Western people have so much power in the world and yet they, they're using it very badly, you know, and they're obsessed with sex. And it's right, we are obsessed with sex because we don't understand it and people are trying to find an understanding of it. Yet it's almost like every step of the way, what people are being taught and fed about it it's just feeding misunderstanding and it's feeding a lack of a good relationship with oneself. So really I see this as like a revolutionary thing, you know, when we really get into a relationship with our body, we get cool with our emotions, we get cool with who we are, everything about ourselves, with our sexuality, especially, you know, we become suddenly a world of very different people than what we see around us today. And a lot of the problems, you know, including health problems, mental health problems, financial problems, we find that these problems are, you know, taking the back boiler, basically, once we've got that relationship going on right within ourselves. Mm, yeah, <laughs> so and much I, there. <laughs> yeah, and I suppose this comes on then to the second question you asked, be vulnerable, share about yourself. Mm. And this is exactly my journey, you know, I grew up with um, hardcore Christian parents who believed in just, you know, I, yeah, like, you know, no masturbation. You shouldn't even know what's going on down there and that you shouldn't even know you have a vagina, you know, when you're a teenager and so on. And um, 
you know, I grew up and when I started having sex as a teenager, I was really just finding like I was having sex and just nothing was happening. I wasn't getting a nice feeling, you know, and I went through, you know, I'd gone through quite a lot of trauma as a child, to be honest as well, you know, and I went through my teenage years just in a big mess, sure, you know, going to uni, doing the things you're supposed to do, like A-levels and everything. Um, but inside, I was like a huge mess. I was going to a lot of like illegal parties, taking ecstasy and whatever else people did in those days, um, smoking cannabis and just hiding from myself, you know? And when I was 20, I, I went on a trip to India for, for the summer. I spent three months in India where I was exposed to a culture that was completely not like anything I'd seen before. And I, I couldn't even imagine that such a thing had existed. You know, I grew up with a God, with a Jesus, with, you know, all, all the deities were male. And suddenly I'm there and I'm seeing goddesses, you know, and I'm starting to see, oh, okay, you know, so maybe there is something, you know, divine in me because I'd really rejected religion up until that point, you know. And it started to just get, uh, I started to just get an understanding slowly about relationship with my body, relationship with my sexual sexuality to do with sort of ideas I was exposed to there. I've come back and at that point had probably what would be my first uh, uh, healthy relationship, uh, started with someone I'd known already. And during this relationship, so I must've been about 21 at this time, this guy, he says to me, why do you not have orgasms? And I was just stumped because I thought only men had orgasms. I didn't realize like women were supposed to have an orgasm as well, you know? Um, and it got me thinking, you know, because I realized I'd been chasing something sexually. I tried going to BDSM clubs and so on, which in those days were very underground things to go to, you know? And, um, it got me thinking and it got me looking and it took me a couple of years and I was trying to find out what was going on in those days you didn't have so much internet and information as you do now you know I asked the doctor was kind of treated like that there was something wrong with me that I'm even asking this and you know um I was getting more and more frustrated by that time the the relationship with this guy had finished and I was kind of realizing you know something in me and something about my experience was really missing and for example you know I mentioned like this teenage stint with with raves and ecstasy and so on which I was like realized okay the ecstasy is not too great for me but what happened was I remained and I think to do with like my childhood trauma and my shutdown enemy energy you know that I remained basically addicted to cannabis so I couldn't sleep without cannabis I was reliant on it and um it was more and more really getting on my nerves the fact that I was dependent on this substance and I even remember asking my doctor about it and the doctor's like oh that's normal a lot of people smoke one or two cannabis joints a day and I'm like yeah but I know that something's wrong I know I'm addicted to this I know do you know what I mean but similar with the orgasm that they didn't really you know have any kind of an explanation and then I was in a bookshop and um, you know that yellow book, Cultivating Female Sexual Energy, right? And it's very yellow, right? To be honest. So you could <laughs> be looking at a pile of shelves, which is basically what happened, but I feel like it was a little bit more than just the yellow came out at me because it was like, it shone this beam of light at me and I looked and it said, Cultivating Female Sexual Energy. And I was like, whoa, grabbed the book off the shelf, took it home. Obviously I paid for it first. <laughs> and started reading it and I was just finding myself exposed to something I'd never imagined existed you know and I mean there was no way I would have tried any of the exercises on my own without a teacher it did say it at the front of the book and also you know and then I just started buying all the Taoist books that I could possibly get my hands on you know Damo Mitchell the Mantec Chia ones of course you know various other Taoist authors and I started reading and reading. And then I started looking around for workshops and I started finding some of the Tao instructors. And I started, got myself a little set of exercises together, which I started doing quite fanatically. So talking two, three hours a day at least, you know, um, because yeah, I just knew these two things were really, really a problem, the orgasm thing and also the, um, the, the cannabis, you know, but also that there was something underlying 
wrong, you know, because I remember I was getting like quite severe back pain, a lot of anxiety. Um, yeah, just a whole big mess of things that I didn't actually at the time put together two and two as, it, as if it was all interconnected. So I started doing these exercises and I remember I'd actually, okay, this is kind of funny, I'll tell you that. Okay. <laughs> so I got to the point with the cannabis where I remember I'd smoked some cannabis, I went to the cash machine, I took out 300 pounds and I walked off and I left the 300 pounds in the machine, yeah? Can you imagine because of the memory thing? Oh. And I'm like, man, yeah, this is really getting to the point where I can't keep doing this. This is not good. It was a major sign from the universe. I needed to sort myself out, you know? Um, so I, I was like, this is it. I'm stopping. I remember going to this kind of cannabis support group and sitting there and listening to these people go, yeah, because I wake up in the morning and then I have a coffee and then I have a joint and then I have another coffee. Then I have an another joint and me just going like, you know, these took it's 13th joint and I'm just like, oh my God, <laughs> I don't want to be, <laughs> I don't want to be like this. <laughs> it's so boring, you know? And I remember going off and like starting to do these exercises as well what I started feeling was in my body, it was like a feeling almost a bit like what I was trying to get from the cannabis smoking, but obviously if you've ever smoked it, you know, there's like a nice side and a bad side to it as well, you know, but it was just the nice feeling that was coming up. So I did the exercises more, I did the exercises more. I've never gone back, I've never smoked since, since that time, mm -hmm. you know. And I started feeling my body, like starting to fill with energy, you know. And then after a few months, I found this like jade egg workshop, you know, so I've gone to this jade egg workshop. I've done, you know, I think it's like two days or two, two and a half days where you're doing qigong and smiling to your organs and so on and so forth. And then at the end, they get us in this circle with these eggs, you know, we're putting the egg, you know, around the body, then they get us to take it to the vagina and they say, you know, ask your yoni, what does your yoni want? Does it want the egg inside or not? You know, and I was like, wow, okay. I never, the thought of does my vagina want something or does my body want something or even do I want something? It never occurred to me because I thought, well, if I had a boyfriend, it was just this hole down there that he went, you know, backwards and forwards in. And that was all there was to it, you know? So even when you think about that, it's kind of like, well, no wonder I was having no orgasms you know I wasn't even connected down to my body or anything like that you know and she teaches us like meditating with certain parts of the vagina doing these sounds these visualizations and I went off and I went home and I started doing these sounds and these meditations and I remember just lying there and just feeling these like clouds of smoke and memories and everything just rising out of my body and I remember just suddenly getting this like buzzing feeling you know in my vagina and then just you know suddenly just starting to have like a lot of multiple orgasms all very fast probably in a week after this workshop you know so um but what was so interesting was at that that time and I remember I was having bad back pain every day I was like needs to go lie down in the afternoon because of it that just disappeared yeah the sleep thing disappeared yeah the need for cannabis all just disappeared, you know? And what I realized was I'd actually use these ancient exercises to like tap into myself, you know, and find like what was essentially like my traumas, things that were blocking me down, stopping me from being myself, stopping me from moving forward and so on. And I'd found them and basically unblocked this energy, you know, and that all these problems I'd been having, the reliance on cannabis and the insomnia, the anxiety, the back pain, and not having the orgasms was somehow central mm. to this whole thing, you know? But what was even more incredible was it was like after that point, I think I'd been extremely, extremely lost, you know? And after that point, I started to see where I needed to go in life. I started to get my direction. I mean, I even feel like I started to heal from all these like karmic past life, things and aggressions I'd committed thousands of years ago in other lifetimes and so on, you know, and um, suddenly it was like, suddenly I became me, you know, <coughs> excuse me. And I suppose over the next few months or, or few years, so I just realized then that everything was interconnected, 
you know, and that these traumas I'd had in the past, the various health problems, the back pain, insomnia, anxiety, cannabis addiction, it was all connected, but somehow that this thing of not having orgasms was actually central to it. Mm. And then going on over the next months and years, I was really starting to realize in particular how women, you know, we've been sexually repressed for hundreds, if not thousands of years, you know, for a good period of the last millennia, you know, the fact that women were even having orgasms, ejaculation, you know, the G-spot, all of these were almost written out of the medical stroke social texts. And, you know, looking back at the last, you know, certainly the last 1000 years where we see like a massive amount of repression of women, feminine energy, the divine feminine and so on, you know, not being in our sexual power is really key to, let's say to us being repressed, you know, but also we as women to, you know, not, not finding our destinies, you know, and we hear so many, for example, guys complaining about women, they just want to date them and they just want the, the guy to spend money on them and so on. But it's like, you have these women that are just, they just wandering around lost, you know, they don't know what to do and they're just completely not connected with themselves and their feminine energy, you know? So I soon started to realize that this was, you know, really an important thing that um, was kind of like my my destiny, you know, to be sharing with the world um, these techniques. And obviously like the Taoist techniques are super cool, but they're also very nerdy. And for many people to kind of, you know, go to like, for example, a Sea Master Chia or, or a normal Taoist, um, instructor and to follow the exercises and take them home and practice them it might be like quite tough you know but I I started to just find ways that you know people can start taking these principles into their daily life and you know taking the exercises in a way that's quite you know that's quite simple and even when we connect you know we connect into our hearts and we really experience sexuality with love and the heart as being like a really important part of that, you know, like so much starts to change for us. And ultimately this is really the basis of of Taoist sexology that we have um, our sexual center and we have the love center and that these two need to be connected together and they need to be sharing energy and have the same amount of energy in each. And then we're healthy people and we have healthy sexuality so yeah i mean this is more or less how i came to where i am today with all of this Mm, thank you for sharing that's so lovely to hear that story and and so when you shared then around sex and heart because like they say that's the sort of foundation of the Taoist cosmology can you sort of illustrate how would that look like for somebody listening if that's a whole new concept could you speak to that so, well, in, in Taoism, we talk about um, cultivating energy, growing energy. So it's all based on the principle that wherever our attention goes, the energy flows, you know? So let's say the most basic of the Taoist exercises would actually be to shut your eyes, look inside, find your heart and smile to your heart. And sadly, we're living in an age where people's hearts are very shut down and people tend to be experiencing their sexual energy often quite strong and almost overwhelming because it's not actually balanced out it's basically blocked it's not traveling up into the heart and I know just like some things that people can get I mean in particular men who have stronger and perhaps more volatile sexual energy that they can get this kind of feeling of you know of the sexual energy rising up perhaps at a time they didn't want it to feel a bit overwhelmed by it you know tense up and often this will transform into misogyny and for example blaming a woman for being too sexy and turning them on or provoking them and so on whereas when one is actually focusing into the heart and staying heart-centered the heart will naturally attract the sexual energy to move up I've just actually been making a mini course where I've been talking about this and just saying look if you feel that energy and you're feeling it overwhelming just smile into your heart connect with your heart and just feel that energy coming up and you'll find it's not something that bothers you anymore you'll actually find it's revitalizing and fueling your body Mm, that's such a beautiful and simple technique because we're not 
we don't have any understanding of what to do with our sexual energy, do we? So it just becomes like this wild horse that is like we're galloping off behind it. Mm-hmm. And actually what these practices do is help us to have that relationship with our sexual energy. Um, so how would you define sexual energy? Because it's a word, a term that's used a lot. So what does that mean to you? So, I mean, okay, to get nerdy about this, the Taoists <laughs> use the term Jing, which obviously Jing is more than sexual energy because we are made out of Jing. You know, we, we are Jing, it's our DNA. But then if we look the sexual energy and the DNA, they're very much connected, you know? So we can say like sexual energy is the feeling, the horny feeling, the aroused feeling that we can get, but it can come in many different forms. You know, one can feel a sexual energy, perhaps, you know, when when one tenses into the genitals to try to stop the sexual energy, it will actually rise up much more strong, you know? and in a way that can be irritating for the person. You know, if one's able to relax and feel the sexual energy, it feels, you know, it feels the whole body and it's a much more relaxing feeling. And of course, like taking long, slow, deep breaths is a very important part of it. But then we even have sexual energy in our breasts, sexual energy in the testicles, in the ovaries, in the uterus and so on, you know, and these are energies which, the, I suppose you could call them hormones, some hormones, some types of hormones that the Taoist um, harvest by actually massaging their breasts, their ovaries, their testicles, and so on. So, you know, I mean, there's even, I think that sometimes people can, you know, sexual energy, I think it can be platonic as well, you know, because sometimes people connect and there's not really intention of anything sexual to happen, but there's still this beautiful sort of perhaps transformed creative loving energy, you know, flowing between them. And I mean, the Taoist calls sexual energy, they say it's a superfood for the soul. The idea being it comes from, from the perineum, it should travel up the meridian at the center of the body into the heart, where it can transform into anything that we want it to. So as long as it's able to do that, travel up, transform with love, you know, is anything that we want it to be. Hmm. Yeah, beautiful. And you shared about, um, and also the Taoist cosmology is that sexuality, sexual energy is so much more than for our sexuality. So we can use it for healing and um, accessing deeper states of consciousness. So I'd love you to see, um, to share about that. Sure. I mean, if you look at um, any, any diagram of, of uh, acupuncture meridians, you know, and you can find thousands of them, and they're all going to show the same acupuncture meridians which have existed for thousands of years, you know, so it's not a new thing or or a controversial thing, in fact. And the main acupuncture meridian, kind of the first one, it travels right up the center of the body from the perineum or the prostate up through what would be the uterus in the woman, up into the heart, and finally up into the center of the brain, the brainstem, where the pineal pituitary gland and so on are housed. And the first energy that we have, the energy we're created from is Jing. So it's like this DNA sort of orgasmic sexual energy, you know, that creates us. And as you can imagine that meridian, it's like a river and that ideally that energy should flow up the body and up into, first of all, into the heart, where it will then, it, it mixes with love. And first of all, it can transform into a deeply healing energy, which they say it becomes like a purple energy which vibrates into our cells and heals our body at a cellular level. But once we've kind of got those cells rejuvenating, we're then able to start putting this into practice for abundance, for um, uh, creativity and so on. And it can then continue to travel up through the neck, up into the head, into the pineal gland and actually start activating the pineal gland and I remember when this started happening to me having some experiences where everything around me was going into fractal patterns you know and actually even when I was shutting my eyes that I was getting a very light feeling inside of my head as if there was actual light in there um, which I read in a book it's actually because um, when you do a lot of this kind of meditation the the gap between the plates and the skull gen- very uh, very minutely open up Wow. And the Taoists, they call this area the Crystal Palace. And that's really Mm -hmm. what it started feeling like, you know, a Crystal Palace. And I suppose, you know, what's so beautiful about this is that in the most uh, pragmatic and down to earth 
way we can take this lust energy we can bring it up our body and we can transform it you know along the way it gives us basically everything we need and then it just comes up into our brain and it actually gives us that you know enlightenment that is natural for humans to to have you know and i just love the way you know i do say we are spiritual beings here on earth having a human experience we're not here to try to be spiritual or try to have you know a spiritual experience and it i love the way that it's just the way our body works you know it's so perfect it literally creates this experience where we can connect back into the source through that source energy of sexual energy and orgasm that we are actually created from mm. so yeah yeah the healing power of that and also just to mention what you shared around the books and this sort of the saying in the books of you know to get guidance from a qualified practitioner for the practices because I mean I tried to teach myself them and it was so hard learning them from a book I gave up pretty quickly but also in the Taoist cosmology, the, the saying of, of that our sexual energy amplifies whatever's there. So if we have a lot of anger there, that may be amplified. And if we have a lot of joy there, that might be amplified. But that's why it can be great to have these initial explorations under the guidance of a practitioner. Absolutely. And obviously, I'm just describing this beautiful upward path, giving everyone enlightenment. And then the question can be, why aren't we surrounded by all these enlightened beings, you know? And the fact is that from when we're pretty young, you know, we're educated, we're taught morality, we're programmed, we're cultured, we're given all these beliefs, programs, uh, we're taught to repress our emotions. And what starts happening is these repressed emotions, this programming and so on, is it just blocks up our energy. So for most people, even that first state of, of the water coming, sorry, the energy coming up into the heart, it's like a little trickle of water. There's not really a lot, you know, going on. And when we look at how, you know, being exposed to everything that's going on around us in, in modern day normal society and the effects that you know, this has on people is it just shuts us down energetically, which then in any meaningful way shuts us down spiritually as well, because to try to be spiritual when the energy is not moving is a pretty dangerous thing to actually do. So for sure, you know, even though it sounds simple, it's complex and there's so many different blockages that people can have. So um, I definitely agree that finding someone to help us out, you know, and having several people we can ask things to is pretty important. Mm. And would you say um, that as well, it's having other practices and it's to support working with the sexual energy. So Qigong and different things as well to help with that movement of energy. Definitely. I mean, moving exercises, Qigong style exercises, practicing inner alchemy, especially using the healing sounds, these are essential to have like also a sexual practice. So it's not something that um, it's wise to just go into the sexual practice. And obviously there's a lot of people that read the books and especially tried like probably the most dangerous exercise of them all without a person helping them and without doing the preliminary exercises and cause themselves like a lot of problems. And I suppose, you know, for, for many people hearing these things like, oh, work with your emotions, you know, especially men that have been told from a young age not to be honest with themselves with their emotions, um, that they've, you know, that they have, uh, <clears throat> yeah, that they have basically, um, you know, they don't want to work on that stuff. So they kind of go into this egoistic stuff of squeezing the perineum and so on. And a lot of them, you know, further down the line, that they, they end up developing problems. And I suppose, you know, going into the parts of ourselves, which are the most tender, you know, going into our pain, going into our vulnerability, going into our emotions, it's like the most scary thing we can do. And I think spirituality has attempted to bypass this for a very long time. But ultimately, this is really where we need to go and we need to do the work, you know, <clears throat> in our emotional in our emotional beings, you know, and work with our emotions, because this is really where we're going to find, you know, a lot of the answers to what we really are seeking. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And it takes time and 
um, to come into our bodies and to feel all of these and um, and to do that in a way that's held and gentle and and um, at the right pace for the person that that's that's exploring them. So, yeah, no, thank you for sharing that. And it's really important. So when I started doing these practices, it was like because I'd come out of a history of addiction and everything as well. And it's when I met Barry, who's a teacher that we both have, have done a lot with. And um, and it was just like this whole totally different experience of experiencing my body <laughs> and my emotions and, and that journey inwards was so, so beautiful and so powerful. But I definitely needed help holding through it for sure. So, yeah, thank you for sharing that. So I love that you um, so you have your website, The Arts of the Bedchamber. <laughs> and so I'd love you to talk about what is the art of the bedchamber? Hmm. Well, <laughs> the art of the bedchamber is um, a, a manual that way back in ancient China, people used to have various forms of, you know, the bedchamber art books next to their their bed. And um, of course, you know, the, the Taoists are obsessed with orgasms because orgasm is the most powerful energy that we have, but it's all very nerdy, you know, and some of this would even involve, for example, um, certain sexual positions that one would actually engage in doing exactly a certain amount of thrusts in certain styles to, for example, heal, heal liver problems or blood disorders and so on, you know. I mean, for me, I think, you know, given that I have this quite long past of giving Taoist and Tantric body work, you know, um, I think that specifically inside of the vagina, there's like very important reflexology zones that if couples were actually familiar with um, how to activate and heal these zones, you know, that they would... Uh, it would really, really transform people on an individual and a social relationship level. And I mean, it can be so powerful that the person can have like, you know, the equivalent of like years worth of psychotherapy just from a single, you know, yoni massage session. And I think where men are now, you know, um, for sure, like massage of the penis is really important. And I teach my male clients to massage their penises massage certain areas, use certain sounds while meditating with certain parts of their penis and so on. And it's amazing the, the feedback I get from them. One of the feedback being extremely strong erections, but the other one being, but whilst feeling the energy and being completely able to just sit there with it, not needing to masturbate, not needing to have sex, but completely available to do it, should they wish to do so. So, um, I think that both men and women, you know, obviously, well, I think a lot of this stuff when people talk about trauma, sexual healing and so on, is very much geared towards women. And when we think of like, you know, how does someone act if they're traumatized? Well, there could be dozens of ways a person could act, but there's this kind of stereotypical idea of what the female expression is that people are trying to kind of impose onto everyone. But when you look at traumatized people, they can often be aggressive, they can often be violent. I mean, I do think, for example, I mean, porn addiction and overuse is massive, you know, I think it all comes down to trauma, you know, that they're drawn into this, because of, uh, you know, growing up with an inability to sort of relate to women and, and actually fear of relating to women. So, <laughs> oh, bless, <me>. bless you. <laughs> that must have been an important point. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think that the way men are experiencing trauma is something that's also being like overlooked, you know. And when we look at like, you know, people talk about polarity, and don't get me wrong, I know about yin and yang. I know that polarity is a real thing, but it's not a circle with a line drawn across the middle is two shapes morphing into the other. And at the center of the opposite is the other, you know? And obviously we, we've been sold misogyny for centuries, but it's almost like now in the kind of so-called spiritual scene, it's kind of being rebranded into this kind of weird, bizarre idea that, you know, men need to act like this, women need to act like this. And it's oppressive to both of us. You know, but I think in particular, you know, I was reading some someone I was following recently who keeps talking about this polarity group she's going to, saying, you know, men should not talk about their feelings, women should. And it's like, okay, so 
and you tell that to a man and then the next minute he's addicted to drugs or he's killed himself or he, you know and then you're kind of surprised that that happens but we all you know we all have the same needs you know to feel safe and held as a person and it's not that i'm saying polarity doesn't exist it's a real thing but it's something to explore and i don't think it's something to put you know a, labels onto exactly how it should be expressed and the same with women sure you know submitting surrendering you know and so on it's an incredible amazing beautiful thing but at the same time we're also very powerful and our guy needs us at times to take control you know in the home out and about in the bedroom as well and um you know giving up our power it's it's not you know, it's not helpful to everyone. And I would just say it's, it's left us all, you know, in a little bit of a mess. So, yeah, I very much think that the, the vulnerable side of men is something it's really important that we actually are talking about a bit more and really giving men as well the space to just be themselves, you know, to, to find out who they are and, and to heal as well from the suffering that they've undergone. Yeah, and thank you. I am actually planning on doing a podcast on these polarity teachings that are out there at the moment because they're so dangerous. And I was I I, I was reading one uh, post the other day, and I, I mean, literally, my jaw's dropping as I'm reading them. And it was saying that a woman should listen to her own wisdom, but always the most important is to listen and follow the wisdom of her partner. So basically, saying hand your intuition over to your partner. And, you know, that men shouldn't express feelings. And it's so dangerous, a lot of that, what is, is out there at the moment. And I'm 100% with you that vulnerability, sharing our feelings and being comfortable with that is for everybody and is so, so important. So thank you for bringing that in. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, this is a time when we really just need to be finding who we are, you know, and these old fashioned, archaic sort of stereotypes most of them they're not really helpful to us on any level at all you know yeah. um and and I find it's really useful if I want to kind of understand about masculinity femininity polarity and so on actually just watch videos on YouTube of you know the animal world watch you know especially the big cats relating mm. to each other you know and you'll see the lioness rolling on her back and so on you know but she's the most vicious of them she will kill the most quickly you know so um so yeah 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 we have it all within us and that's the dance isn't it to explore and to have the freedom to mm. to to move through these places and so so yeah no that's a great great um tip there to go and watch the the big cats in nature absolutely and so um so coming back to um you mentioned the sexual reflexology. So I'm, I imagine that many people listening will not have ever heard of that. So I'd love you to, to speak about that. Sure. I mean, so it's based on the same principle that, for example, certain areas on the feet can be rubbed by a reflexologist in order to heal the liver or the kidneys and so on. And we have the same inside of the sexual organs and on the sexual organs of the male as well. And when we start to understand like how these reflexology points work, you know, they actually are holding emotions, repressed emotions, both in the man and in the woman. And um, when, yeah, when we, when we actually start learning how to meditate and use massage to release them, we can have like incredible releases of um, blocked emotions and repressed emotions. And, you know, even just looking at a relationship, so much of problems in relationships are actually caused by these repressed emotions and traumas, which can cause arguments and bad feelings between people and so on. So, um, uh, so yeah, when we start learning both how to, you know, use meditation to activate these on ourselves and how to activate them on the part, on our partner as well, it's a real game changer, like both for our relationship with ourselves and with other people, you know, so for example, to give, to give an example of this, so the G spot in the woman, which is, you know, also referred to as the perennial sponge or the female prostate, although it's a little bit more than what's actually called the G-spot. So if the woman's lying on her back, the index finger is inserted in with the pad up and you'll feel a little ridge space, which is a bit like the top of, of the mouth, the roof of the mouth. 
And more or less, this is kind of where the G-spot is. But um, a lot of women will say they don't feel it or they even feel an unpleasant feeling, which, you know, according to genital reflexology would be that there's this energy blocked, you know, blocked anger, because this is the emotion, the wood element and the anger, you know, and we, we all know the G-spot, it relates quite a lot to female ejaculation and I don't know if anyone's here has ever either received or given a good G-spot um, massage or play session and perhaps been some ejaculation and afterwards the woman has just been crying and in tears even though she had a really brilliant time because we say tears are the excretion of the element of wood and that when uh, you know through this massage a lot is being released and then the tears will just kind of be a manifestation of this release. Mm. I love that. It's just so incredible that we've got these points in us <laughs> that we can work with. And also the reframe of, you know, we often only ever touch our sexual organs for an agenda. Mm. And so just to have presence and massage and meditation is just, it is absolutely mind blowing. So, um, yeah. I definitely think meditating with our own sexual organs, our own sexual energy is extremely important. Mm. Why, why do you feel that's important? Because, you know, we need to have a relationship with our sexual organs, because if we don't have a relationship with our sexual organs, and then, you know, how can we really be in control of what they're doing and even what we are doing sexually? I mean, as part of my job, I've on occasion spoken to, uh, well, it's just been men who've told me they've committed a kind of a sexual assault or even been in jail for sexual assault, you know? And when you talk to these guys, it's not like, you know, I'm not saying there's nobody that sits there and plans to go out and rape someone down a dark alleyway, but obviously the vast majority of rapes don't happen in that context. You know, that, that it's kind of, you know, it's not like that they've really sat there and planned it, but it's almost like the energy took over and took control of them and then something happened and then they regretted it or maybe they didn't even understand what they'd done wrong, but there was a very, very distressed person on the other end. And um, so it's really important because this energy is so strong, it's so volatile, it can take us to places. I mean, there's a lot of um, people saying nasty, sexist things to each other, objectifying people and so on. And it just comes down to like a lack of understanding of a relationship with the sexual energy. And then it comes out in toxic and distressing and unhealthy ways. Um, because Absolutely. Have, yeah. I mean, remember those two celebrities not that long ago that were getting played to the whole world about their mm. crazy, toxic, drug-induced relationship. And I mean, bless them, I think that they were both were severely traumatized people. And you add drugs and sexual arousal and sexual energy into the mix. And you're just, you know, it's just a recipe for disaster, basically. Yeah, absolutely. And so for somebody who's like, oh, how can I meditate with my sexual organs? What would you suggest? Well, I would suggest first start to meditate just with your internal organs, you know, and start smiling and creating a relationship with your internal organs and connecting with the energy there, because this is something that we learn first, um, simply because the sexual energy can be um, much more volatile, you know, than, than the energy that's in the organs. Of course, just simply smiling to our sexual organs doing gentle breathing, very simple exercises like this. So feeling the sexual energy and breathing long, slow, deep breaths with it, smiling to the sexual organs. I think these are relatively safe things to do. Mm. But certainly if you wanna learn in any more detail about meditating with the sexual organs, it's definitely worth to learn some inner alchemy. So you actually know how to work with energy when it's in a less volatile state. So that when you actually come to meditating with your sexual energy, um, it's a lot easier. Yeah, so a lot of the Taoist practices for people listening, you start exploring them in a non-aroused state so that you have that um, relationship with them because I think that's a lot of our issues with our sexual energy is it's like, for example, a person saying, oh, it's, you know, your job to make me feel, to release my sexual energy to their partner and putting it on the other person. And this, these practices help people really to come back to taking responsibility for what's happening in their body and to really own their sexual energy and take responsibility for it. So, um, so 
that's a really beautiful, um, just very simple practice. And the other thing that you were sharing about was just the smiling to the organs. So for people listening, you've maybe never heard of the inner smile practice. Would you share a little bit about that? Sure. I mean, so the inner smile, which is basically used in every single, you know, Taoist exercise, pretty much, you know, in one way or another, because um, what Taoists do is they cultivate energy, they move energy, they transform energy, and they store energy, you know, this is what we do. And so how can one cultivate or grow or move energy? Well, it's quite simple, because wherever our attention goes, the energy flows. So for example, you know, uh, even this whole thing of projecting out onto other people there, whatever, you know. Okay, so uh, we can look out at the person or we can actually give ourselves our power and we can stop and we can look inside. So the idea is we shut the eyelids and when you've shut your eyelids, you can notice that Obviously, your eyes can still see, but the eyelids are covered or the eyeballs are covered. And if you then use your intention to direct the energy inside, down your throat, down into your chest, and you find your heart, and you connect to your heart and smile into your heart. And just send energy, send love there. Send unconditional love and acceptance. And you can visualize the red energy from the heart. And you can notice that when you smile to the heart, you can start to transform any blocked energy there. Relax the heart, activate the electromagnetic field. And just get a nice, feeling inside of your body. So we can do the same to the different organs. We can take it around to the liver, the kidneys, the intestines, the bladder. We can smile to our prostate gland, to our breasts. We can smile to any part of the body that we want to. And this is basically what the inner smile is about. And the reason we smile is because if we just look and send the energy, sometimes you can send an energy block. Mm you know, or cause an energy block. The same way if you're sitting somewhere and someone is staring at you, you might feel quite uncomfortable. But if someone smiles at you, you're very likely to just have a positive reaction. So it's building, you know, a relationship with our internal organs, with our internal body. And Master Chia, he says, you know, fall in love with yourself, organ by organ. So literally <laughs> getting to know your liver, your kidneys, your intestines, every part of yourself and really just embracing these parts of your being. Mm, yeah, that's such beautiful practices. Thank you for, for bringing that in. I remember the first time I smiled at my organs and I didn't even know where some of them were. And it was just like, wow, I've got to this age of my life and I don't even know where some of my you know, organs are. And just to build that relationship internally has been so profound and I see that again and again so so the inner smile is a beautiful practice and I am um, I'd love you to to share you know how um you talked about for example um uh, sexual reflexology and that having that relationship with our sexual energy what else do you feel is important for people to hear about the arts of the bedchamber if this is something a new concept to them yeah. Okay. So if we look at like the standard Western model, or I call it the standard American sex, <laughs> yeah, the standard American diet, right? The standard American sex. We look at, you know, you don't even need to go on porn, right? You put on some Netflix, right? You see the two, they look at each other, they start panting, they rush in, bam, bam, bam. Three little, you know, sh shove in and out, they're finished. So but what it's doing, and as we watch it as the viewer, and of course, this is giving us the impression of how we're going to have sex, is they're reaching this state of adrenaline, and then they're having sex in this adrenalized state, which obviously isn't going to last very long. Now, when we start looking at what's going on there, and we bring in a little bit of science, you know, 
everybody should be aware that we have this thing called the autonomic nervous system, which is kind of a bit like the subconscious, right? And it regulates the functions of all the internal organs, the body, all these things. We don't want to be sitting there thinking, okay, let me make my heart beat. Let me, you know, like make my digestion and my liver work and so on, you know? So it's, it's there, it's making all these things, the majority of what's going on in our body work. And um, essentially, well, it's connected to this nerve that goes down called the vagus nerve connecting with all our organs and our sexual organs. But what the autonomic nervous system does is it puts us into more or less two modes. Yeah, the one mode being relax and enjoy mode. The other, which we all know is flight or fight, you know? So this is something going back, what is flight or fight? You know, this goes back thousands of years to our ancestors. And it would keep them, you know, safe when they're walking through the jungle, they suddenly see a tiger, the adrenal glands kick in, they produce adrenaline, their, uh, you know, the, the heart rate, the breathing increases, and he gets a superhuman strength, and he can run away and escape. Now, if we think we're going in this adrenalized state to have sex, right? So is our body going to be thinking, hang on, there's a tiger chasing me. I better make sure I last in bed as long as I want and have the most amazing, incredible orgasms, because, of course, this is the last thing the body's going to be want wanting. And when we actually look at statistics, we're being said probably as a conservative statistic um, that 40 percent of men have premature ejaculation. Eighty percent of women are not having an orgasm from uh from intercourse but of course you wouldn't be right when there's a lion chasing you or a tiger chasing you and so on and when you look at you know what is tantric sex as well you know what is Taoist sex and you don't go into it in this fast adrenalized state but then of course if we're uncomfortable with our sexuality and with our emotions we're kind of going to need the adrenalized state to get anywhere you know which is why it's important to actually spend a bit of time and start getting comfortable with things, sitting down, slowing down your breath, relaxing, and starting to feel the sexual energy. And of course, as you already mentioned, the sexual energy is an amplifier, you know, so if one sits at home alone, gently breathing, feeling the sexual energy, there's a good chance that it can start uh, activating these repressed emotions and, and bring up frustration, which of course is why it's then tempting to stick on a, a porno and jerk one off as fast as you can and get rid of this energy, which essentially is actually our life force energy, this energy that we want to be moving up our body, healing us, giving us our creativity and abundance and so on. And, um, so, uh, you know, even to just start relaxing on one's own, experiencing this energy, but in a partnership. So, for example, you have like tantric rituals where one would sit opposite the partner, cross-legged, gaze into the eyes and practice very slow breathing and start to feel the energy in this way. And something incredible and amazing happens, actually, when you start to do this, because, of course, that very tense feeling of squeezing the sexual energy into the genitals it disperses but it doesn't disperse into nothing it starts to disperse up into the body and produce this amazing feeling inside of the body and it can almost like put one into quite an altered state of consciousness even feeling like one is like slightly hallucinating just a very amazing incredible full body experience is even more than just what we think of pleasure but it's a real like a kind of like a spiritual experience just when we slow down and feel this energy you know and this is something I get clients to do with me to meditate you know it's not even involving touching and I remember one day I was doing this with this client we were sitting opposite meditating with the sexual energy and at the end he said to me wow that was the best sex I've ever had in my life, you know, and we didn't even touch, you know, and there's so much that we're missing with this kind of adrenalized fast sex. It's just, you know, it's a fast road really to, you know, self-destruction basically when we keep having sex in this way. I mean, the majority of marriages go sexless. I mean, if you look at the States now, every other woman has been diagnosed as asexual by the time she's got to a certain age and you know however you want to define asexual it's like it's a lot of bad sex yeah and when we as women are 
experiencing that bad sex banging away into our bodies, you know, in ways that we're not naturally supposed to be having sex that may look great on a porn film, but in reality doesn't even feel good, you know. Um, I just feel like this is a bit like, you know, not that they're obviously asexuality is a thing, but when someone's got kind of traumatized by a lot of bad sex, and we're not even looking at that big, massive pink elephant in the room that's taking up most of the space and actually saying, hang on, you know, what's going on with our sexual techniques? Because, you know, with, with the Taoist sexual techniques, it should be, for example, an hour and a half of foreplay given to the woman before even that one is um, that, that one is penetrating, you know? Uh, this is what Master Chia says. And to actually find that the woman has a, a reflex to suck in her vagina to activate this sucking reflex, and that it should actually be the sucking reflex drawing in the penis or the finger, not just something getting rammed inside, because what that does is it deactivates the pelvic floor, it makes everything in the vagina go loose, which then means that the men are going, oh, my penis is too small, or the woman's like, your penis is too small. I mean, it's just really like coming down to these bad sexual techniques that are um, that are just messing up you know, the fun and the sex that people have. And like in Taoism, we talk a lot about using shallow to, and deep penetration. So the man would actually massage his penis in such a way to make the head of the penis very large and can then practice this shallow penetration technique, which is really activating the G-spot. And of course, you know, if a penis is just going in and out, backwards and forward, a vagina, it's missing most of the walls of the vagina and where most of the pleasure is and can actually be knocking into the cervix, which if there's not been enough foreplay and the cervix isn't really relaxed, this can actually start damaging like the internal organs of the woman. So um, it's actually really important, you know, the way we have sex and whilst I do believe all this stuff would come completely naturally to us when we're living in a culture which on the one hand is telling us sex is bad on the other hand you know giving us this really excessive sort of adrenalized crazy sexual depictions you know so it's no wonder that people are you know damaging themselves in various ways you know physically emotionally you know energetically and even spiritually through the sexual practices that they are doing mm. Yeah, so true. And it's and it's so many people think there's something wrong with them because they're not enjoying the type of sex that they're having and not realizing that it's actually the type of sex that they're having that's the problem. <laughs> so absolutely. And I mean, for example, there's statistics showing a very high percentage of women experience pain during sex. And nobody's actually going, oh, hang on, is someone having sex wrong? You know? And I remember when I was a teenager hearing some of the lads talking about um, this girl that they'd all slept with and go, oh, well, she's obviously not very sexually experienced. She couldn't take it. She couldn't take a good pounding. And I remember me getting sort of influenced for a few years. It probably even played into why I has, wasn't having orgasms. It was just about me taking this pounding, almost taking as much pain as possible, you know? And I think that a lot of what's being sold to us is sexual liberation, including kink, the kind of sex we're being told. It's basically just, you know, getting young women to just endure like maximum amount of, of pain that's supposed to be liberating them when in reality, you know, are we seeing an increase in how many women are having orgasms? I don't know, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And um, so thank you. For, for bringing that in um, because, you know, just to, it's a whole journey to find the type of sex that really works for us and that feels great and it takes time. And I think that's another big myth we have that if it doesn't come naturally, again, there's something up with us. And actually just like any skill, you know, the, the, the arts of the bedchamber, it's learning an art, isn't it? Absolutely, yes. And I was just thinking now about one of my best relationships ever. And I think that I'd been hanging out with this guy and did a bit of kissing, a bit of playing around, but it took us about six months to have sex, mm. you know? So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So any final words of wisdom that you'd love to share? <laughs> 
I just think, you know, breath and our breathing is key. And, you know, through breath, we kind of take control of the body. We take control of the autonomic nervous system through our breathing and through slowing things down. And sex is an amazing, amazing experience. But what we're doing is like, imagine we've paid like hundreds of pounds to go to view some amazing, beautiful garden. And we get to the garden and we just run through the garden as fast as we possibly can without seeing all the beautiful flowers and animals along the way. And this is what we're doing with sex, yeah? And yeah, it's deep stuff, it's vulnerable stuff, it's scary stuff, but we need this to really be able to grow and develop as human beings. So, you know, I think it's important that we actually face our fears, we breathe, you know, remembering this stuff, it doesn't come out of the body when we tense in and repress it down. We need to breathe, we need to make sounds, we need to move. And that's how we start getting these negative emotions out of the body. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. And with this being the Sexy Life podcast, what does living a sexy life mean to you? I'd love to hear. <laughs> you know, I think it means like being in touch with my body, you know, wiggling my butt, moving my sacrum, moving around, you know, embracing myself for all my weirdness, all my quirkiness, all my oddities, you know, eating gorgeous food, cuddling with my dogs. And of course, amazing, you know, lovemaking experiences is part of that as well. <laughs> Yeah, beautiful. Thank you. And where can listeners find you online? Um, so my Instagram, my Facebook, my YouTube, in fact, my website as well, it's all called The Art of the Bedchamber. So at The Art of the Bedchamber on Instagram, www.theartofthebedchamber.com on, uh, yeah, on, on my website as well. So yeah, just The Art of the Bedchamber. Beautiful. Well, I'll put all of that in the show notes as well. And just thank you so much for um, just your path and your journey and, and bringing these Taoist techniques. It really struck me when I you know, read your website, circling back to what you shared at the beginning, is that anybody can access this. You don't need a knowledge of Taoism, but through what you're offering, it's really available to everybody. Um, and so really, really appreciating that. So thank you so much. My pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Love, Sex and Intimacy podcast with me, Sarah Rose Bright. I support women and couples across the globe to truly enjoy sex and pleasure and to create or deepen intimate relationships that are passionate and purposeful, happy and healthy, and I'd love to support you. You can book a complimentary call via my website at sarahrosebright.com to find out if my approach is right for you. And check out my website for information about my one-to-one -one coaching programs and any current workshops, group programs and retreats that I'm running. Wherever and whenever you are listening, wishing you a beautiful day.